Revelations chapter 19. My job as your pastor is to declare to you the full counsel of God's word. Not just the parts that encourage us, but the whole message of this book. I spoke to you two weeks ago about the blood of Jesus that's able to cleanse us from all of our sin and from all of our unrighteousness, that's able to remove every single stain, no matter how dark or unbearable it is for you to think about it, the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Last week I reminded you about the word from Isaiah when he said to us, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come, he will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. So we talked last week about how God comes to our rescue. When we're weary, when we're tired, when we wonder how much longer we can hold on, there's an assurance that don't you worry because your God will come. He'll come and he'll save you. He'll rescue you. And this week, we're going to be talking about God's divine justice. Modern man wants to reconstruct God into his own idea or his own image of what he wants God to be. Many people want God to be a God that they can be comfortable with. A God who's okay with their sin. A God who's okay with their self-will, with them ruling over their own lives. I want a God who's okay with me being in charge, is what many would say. They like the idea of a God of love, a God of tolerance, a God of forgiveness. But they don't like the idea or to think of God in terms of absolutes. That God is holy, that he's righteous, that he demands justice. That God gets angry and that God has wrath. That God is a God of judgment. To preach only of God's love and grace is to give the church and an adequate picture of who God really is and who the Word of God reveals Him to be. Have you ever heard someone say of a person, there's another side to Him? Oftentimes, they say that in a negative context. There's another side to Him. There's another side to her that you don't see. One of the things that I get concerned about is in society today is the feminization of men. What many people want is they want some sissy man. They don't want a strong man. They don't want a person who has those qualities of strength. They like them to be kind of sissified. All the guys are like, yeah, come on, pastor, go ahead. I, I, it's, I don't want to say too much, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. One of the things that I valued growing up in the home that I did is my dad was a strong guy. When he told you something, he meant it. Okay, get out of bed, buddy. And then before, a minute later, the covers are off and he smack, hits you on the leg. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting up. Now, some people think that's abuse. I'm going to tell you what abuse is. Abuse is letting your kids grow up and do anything that they want. That's what abuse is. That is abuse. When you raise a kid and let them do anything they want and don't uh, allow any consequences to come into their life, that is abuse. That's terrible. That's the worst thing you can do to a child is let them be God of their own life. Because in society, you're not only abusing them, you're abusing society. And one day, 
those kids who grow up who no one told them, they never experienced the consequence of disobedience in their life. One day they wake up and they're in jail, they're locked up, they get fired and they have a problem. Why am I here? Because they, their parents failed to discipline them. So there is a side to God. The reality of it is, is that there's a side to God. And I think it should be for all of us and as human beings. There should be a side to us that doesn't come out very much. But in the time it needs to come out, it will come out. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a time to be kind and there's a time to be strong. There's a time to be aggressive. There's a time to be meek. There's really a time for everything. The Bible says... That there's a side to God that I hope you don't experience. I hope you don't have to see it. If we have a full picture of who God is. God at times is a God of judgment. He's a God of wrath. He punishes the wicked. I hope you don't have to see it. But I want you to know if it needs to come out, it will come out. If he needs to do it, he'll do what he needs to do. When we only see the grace of God. When we only see the kindness of God, then sinful man becomes emboldened that they can do whatever they want. Sinful man becomes emboldened, puffed up, prideful, arrogant, rebellious against God, thinking that the the consequences will never come their way. Okay? That's what sinful man does. And unfortunately, one day they're going to wake up. And so how much better for them to see and learn and and respond? Unfortunately, one day there will be countless men and women, countless, who will see God as judge. And they will experience the full wrath of a holy, righteous God. There are segments of the church today that want to say that God does not demand. Listen to me. He demands absolute obedience. There's some who want to say that there are no standards to which man must adhere. In essence, they say it's okay for each man to do what is right in his own eyes. Look in the Bible and find out what happens when each man does what is right in his own eyes. God forbid a pastor stand for righteousness and say to the people what 1 Corinthians 6 says. It says, if you're being sexually immoral, having sex outside of your marriage, that you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. God has a standard of righteousness. And he calls homosexuality an abomination. And that those who practice that lifestyle will be excluded from the kingdom of heaven. And now a lot of people are saying, yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The immoral. Oh, but he doesn't stop there. Yeah, go ahead, pastor. You preach it. Yeah. Okay, you're not saying anything about me. I'm all right. You know what he says? He says to the person with unforgiveness, if you don't forgive your brother, he won't forgive your sins. Wait a minute, I can be looking pretty good sitting here in church and have all kinds of junk in my heart. No, he says if you won't forgive him, the minute you stop forgiving others, your debt starts backing up. Oh, man. The same God, what did he do? The person who had been forgiven so much, And he refused to forgive the person who sinned against him, his debtor. The Bible says that he was thrown into prison to be tormented by the tormentors until he could pay back his debt. And his debt was so great that he would never be able to ever pay it back. Let me go on a little further. The Bible says that there's no place in heaven for idolaters, thieves, 
slanderers, slanderers, talking behind somebody's back, putting them down behind their back. The Bible says that there's no place in heaven for that person or the drunkard. So keep making excuses for those kind of things. Teach your kids that it's okay to do those kind of things, that it's not a big deal. And you may experience another side of God that you have never seen before. I love preaching to you about his grace. I love preaching to you about his mercy. I love preaching to you about how he'll come to rescue you. The word demands that I declare to you that God is a God of justice. That he will judge every idle word that is spoken. That if you want to rebel, if those of you who want to be God of your own life, those of you, you are Lord of your life, nobody's going to tell you what to do. Those of you who determine in your heart, maybe we don't say it out loud. Some of you, you do it in your head. You're like, you say whatever you want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm talking to somebody now. I could just sit right here because I'm talking to somebody. On the outside, you may submit, but on the inside, you make up your mind. You ain't, I ain't doing nothing. I'm not doing nothing. You talk all you want. I'll show you. You can't be the Lord of your life, friend. You can't be in charge of your life. If you are born again, you have been bought with a price. You have been purchased with the blood of Jesus. The right to lordship, the throne of your heart, is no longer you. You've been displaced. Jesus is to be the king of your life. Your allegiance belongs to him, not to you, not to your desires or to what you want. Revelations 19 tells us how God is going to deal with his enemies. Revelations chapter 19, verses 11. And it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like burning fire. Have you ever seen someone who had fire in their eyes? Huh? You know I better just shut my mouth. You might be running your mouth, but at a certain point, you see that look in their eyes. It says there's fire in his eyes. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come gather together for the great supper of God. Listen to what it says. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty. Of horses and their riders. And the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth 
and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse in his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophets who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. The Bible declares that God is a God of judgment, He's a God of wrath, and He is a God of anger. Time after time, Jesus warned of coming judgment. In Matthew 12, 36, He says that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. In Matthew 13, 41 through 42, it says the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's Jesus's words. The apostles taught throughout the New Testament that judgment would come. The apostle Paul said that he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Hebrews 9.27 tells us it's appointed to man once to die, but after that, the judgment. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4.5, he says, Peter says that they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The apostle John expressed it this way. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountain and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? When all you see is one side of God, when all you hear is about his kindness and about his love and about his mercy, there comes a point in people's hearts where sinful and rebellious men become emboldened. Do you know what I'm saying? The more they become emboldened, the more other people around them lose their fear of the Lord. The Bible tells us this, that it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning. That's where we start. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, the respect for the Lord. My brother always gives me, just talking to my brother, he always has the, he gives me enough sermon illustrations, talking to him in a half hour for a long time. I talk to him on a weekly basis. And so a lot of times they'll say things like, oh, that's kind of, that'd be a good little sermon illustration. I was thinking about it this morning. How many of you remember Ric Flair? (laughs) What was Ric Flair's catchphrase? Someone already did it. There you go. Remember that? When he'd, be, he'd come out and say, Woo! Wasn't he the nature boy? Yeah. Na- oh, come on. We got a wrestling fan here. Huh? 1980s, you were, what was it? It was like the 80s, Ric Flair, right? My brother's telling me a story, and there was this guy. He was with this other cop. They had this guy. And the guy was just becoming just totally out of control. Tried to talk to him, and the more they talked to him, 
the more belligerent he was becoming. And so my brother's standing there, and the other cop's there, and he's trying to be nice. And the guy just starts getting more lippy and mouthy. And he said, this guy who's usually pretty quiet, he walked up to him and said, I don't know who you think you're talking to. You're dealing with the Delaware State Police. And, and I'll knock the stupid right out of your mouth. And my brother said it just came out of him. Woo! Here's the reality. There is an arrogance and a pride in man that the more rebellious man pushes God and God doesn't do anything, the more emboldened sinful man becomes. The more arrogant a rebellious heart comes when God doesn't bring judgment upon them. Here's the reality. If someone does something wrong, you teach your kid they do something wrong and and you slap their hand, they get a grip on that. They understand that. But the more you get away with, the more emboldened that rebellious heart comes. And so what many people think is they think that because the Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Can I tell you there's some people that his kindness doesn't work? Doesn't. Last week I talked a, a little bit about some stuff. Predators, by their nature, prey on weak That's what they do. It's in their nature. Predators pray. Everybody else has to pray because predators are praying. Predators by their nature prey on weakness. They prey on something that's smaller. Predators do not like something that's bigger or stronger. They run from that by their nature. The reality of it is is man, rebellious man, sinful man's heart becomes emboldened. When God doesn't answer swiftly. So we have generations that grow up and they see, well, you told me if I did this, God would judge me, but he didn't judge me. You're the one who's getting judged. Sinful man looks at the church sometimes and says, I'm doing whatever I want. I'm getting away with it. Look at your life. I don't know that I want your life. Sinful man becomes more rebellious and stubborn and hard-hearted the more they get away with it. But friend, there is a day coming. There's a day that's coming. One of the things about judgment, sometimes there's certain situations I want God to judge. Come on, God, get them. There's certain situations where we want God to bring his judgment. God, they deserve judgment. But we got to be careful. Because for us, what do we want? We want his mercy. We want his forgiveness. We want his patience with us. And you need to thank God. Sometimes God's judgment is in this life. The word says that whom he loves, what's he do? Chastens, chastise, disciplines. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You'll see people who the Lord speaks to them and draws them, and they don't respond with the kind words. They don't respond. And so God will sometimes shake their life. And a lot of the things that they hold dear will be lost. But they'll come to their senses. It may cost them their job. It may cost them their business. It may cost them their finances. It may cost them their family. But it saves their soul may cost them their reputation, but it saves their soul. If that's happened in someone's life, we need to thank God for that. 
because God brings them to a place because they escape divine judgment. That's not wrath. That's a little wake up call. That's not divine wrath. That's God's wake up call for some. There's others though. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you become God's enemy. You don't want to be his enemy. Right now, Jesus, he stands at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for you. Even those who are far from him. Even those who are far from him. In this time, we're in a season of God's grace in people's lives. Where even the person who rebels against him, curses him, disrespects him, he's still dealing with them. There's a season in which he deals with them with patience and kindness. He doesn't treat them as their sins deserve. But there comes a point in people's lives, and there's going to come a point in time, where God will no longer be their advocate, but he'll come as their judge. There'll be a time... When God will no longer, we sing that song, I'm a friend of God, that Jesus was a friend of sinners. But there's going to come a time when he's going to come really as their enemy. He's going to come to bring destruction. It's not what he wants. All of God's wrath, all of his judgment was poured out on Jesus Christ upon the cross. Remember as Jesus hung there, the words that he said is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the beating, the abuse, the horror that was poured upon Jesus was the payment for sin. But there's some people who choose to reject that. They say, I don't want it. I don't need it. I'll do this on my own. Billy Graham tells a story of a young lawyer. The man's name was Warren Candler. And Warren Candler defended a man accused of murder. This young lawyer went all out in his effort to clear his client of the charges. There were some extenuating circumstances, and Candler made the most of them in his plea before the jury. The young man's father and mother were there, and they were good God-fearing people. He played on the jury's sympathies, this godly mom and dad and the sorrow that was upon their faces and upon their hearts. In the course of time, the jury rendered a verdict and it said not guilty. The young lawyer himself, a Christian, had a serious talk with his client. He warned him to steer clear of his evil ways and to trust God's power to keep him straight. Years passed, and again, this same man was brought into court. Again, he was charged another crime, but the same thing, for murder. Candler, the lawyer who had defended him at his first trial, was now the judge on the bench. At the conclusion of the trial, the jury rendered its verdict. Guilty. Ordering the condemned man to stand before sentencing Judge Candler said at your first trial I was your lawyer today I'm your judge the verdict of the jury makes it mandatory for me to sentence you to be hanged by your neck until you're dead friend today Jesus is our lawyer he's our advocate 
He's standing at the Father's right hand. He's arguing in your defense and mine. He's reminding the Father of what He did upon the cross. Some of you have rebellious family members. You have friends and neighbors. Their heart is set against God. And Jesus stands today as their advocate, pleading on their behalf. But one day, He's not going to be their advocate. One day, mankind will stand before Jesus, before Almighty God, and He will be the judge. And that day, the verdict will be guilty. There'll be no changing. What a horrible thought. There's two folks I want to talk about. I want to talk about those of you who have friends and family members whose hearts are set against God. Today, we're going to do some interceding on their behalf. I want you to know this. The prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. The prayer of a mom or dad, the prayer of a brother, the prayer of a sister, interceding has the power to change people's destiny. There's something very powerful about men and women of God who get on their face and begin to seek the Lord. Some of you are here today because someone called your name before Almighty God. You're here because someone cared and they prayed. So we're going to make intercession on behalf of others. But the Word of God also tells us this. On that day, there's going to be many people who stand in line at the judgment and they're going to say, they're going to say to Him, Lord, Lord. They're going to fill in all the things that they did. God, I gave. I served. And He's going to say this. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. I believe that speaks to people who practice their sin. Not just that we sin, because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. There's some, some are pretty good at it. You become pretty accustomed to it. The Holy Spirit puts his finger on you. And he says, I don't want you going there. I don't want you heading that direction. And the rebelliousness of man's heart says, you're not going to tell me what to do. That's what it says. It's my life. Or like the little kid, when their parent talks to him, you see him look. And it is turn and do what they want, like they didn't hear. Well, there's a day. There's a day. What that little boy or girl needs is your mommy and daddy to snatch him up now and spank their behind or look them in the face. I told you. I told you. But many parents won't do that. So the criminal justice system will deal with them. The boss will have to deal with them. Right now, if there's things in your life that hinder you, and can I say this? If it isn't for Jesus, none of us are going to make it. None of us. Our own righteousness, our goodness, how hard we try. We need Him. Lord, I need you to deliver me. I need you to change my heart. God, I'm depending completely and totally upon you. All of my trust is in you. God's good. Today's a day of mercy. Today's a day of victory. 
today is a day of overcoming. Today is a day of the grace of God. Today's a day of, as I said before, deliverance. Maybe some of you today, I got some people in my life that are really important to me. And I see the direction that they're heading. And I want to intercede for them. I want to stand in the gap on their behalf and believe God. I want to believe God for their deliverance, for their salvation, for their breakthrough. You're being his vessel. You're doing his will. There's some folks here today in this house that you'd say, Pastor, I keep wanting to put myself back up on the throne of my life. And I just need the Lord. I know that without his help, there's some areas of my life where I just keep trying to get back up on the throne of my life. And I want Jesus to be first place in my life. I need him. I need him to deliver me. I need him to break through for me. I need him to come to my rescue in some areas. Can I see that hand? All right. Yeah, all over this place. Yeah. For those of you who have family members who are lost, I'm going to ask you to begin to intercede for them. Lift up your voices. Speak their name to the Lord on behalf of that loved one who's away from the Lord. Just go ahead. Just intercede for them. Do business with heaven right now. Do business with heaven. Hallelujah. We're going to agree together. I want you to have the people's names. Grab a hold of somebody. Come into agreement with somebody. Just grab the hand of somebody beside you. Lay your hand on somebody. I want to contact here today. We're going to make intercession. We're going to stand and we're going to plead before the Lord for the salvation of our loved ones. That person who your heart's broken over. That person who you know, God, if you don't intervene, they're lost. If you don't intervene, problems are headed their way. If you don't intervene, Lord, I know that they're headed the wrong direction. I don't want that. As I pray, I'm going to ask you to speak out their name. I'm going to ask you to lift their name up and we're going to agree together that God's going to intervene on their behalf, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I thank you, Father, that you are the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You are able to save. You are able to set free. You're able to bring down the prideful heart. Lord, you're able to build up those who have been cast down. You're able, Lord, to change the hearts of men and of women. You're able to open the eyes of those who are spiritually blind and the ears of those who are deaf. And we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would send ministering angels, that you would open the hearts of our loved ones. You say their name. Just say their name before the Lord. Lord, we bring them before you today. And I thank you, Lord, that you're intervening on their behalf. I thank you, Lord, that you're preparing their hearts. You're sending people their way. They're losing some things, Lord. You're breaking them in some ways. But you're bringing them to repentance. And we give you praise for that. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you for the souls, literally, that are being snatched from hell through our prayers, through our intercession. Lord, we stand in the gap. Your word says you look for someone to make up the hedge, to stand in the gap, Lord, on behalf of your people. And we do that today. We ask you, we plead with you, Father, reach down and save them and rescue them 
Deliver them from their bondage. Set them free, Lord. If they got to lose everything, let them lose everything. But let them find you, we pray. In the powerful name of Jesus, we ask it, Lord. We believe you, Lord, that you hear our prayers when we call to you. In the name of Jesus. And now we're going to pray for something else. We're going to pray for those of us who at times put other things on the throne of your life. Jesus isn't King of Kings and Lord of Lords over certain parts of your life. You start taking over. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that today, He's your defender. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. He's the one who sets you free. He's the one who heals the brokenhearted. He's for you today. But if you have rebellion in your heart, And you continue to resist him. You will find him coming to you as your judge. You don't want that. You don't want to see that fire in his eyes. Lord, we ask you, Lord, for forgiveness. We ask you for mercy. Just tell him you need some help. Lord, we come to you today for help. We know that you're the one who rescues us. Lord, we say we can't do it on our own. We need a savior. We need a deliverer. We need a rescuer. We need someone to strengthen us. Lord, you're the one who we come to. You are the one who gives us strength. You are the one who gives us power. You're the one who defends us. Lord, when the enemy would accuse us, you come to our defense. And so, Lord, we ask you to come and rescue us sometimes from ourselves. Rescue us from our selfishness, from our selfish desires, from our flesh, Lord. Cause us, Lord, to surrender. We surrender our hearts to you in this place today. The currency of heaven is faith. That's the currency of heaven. What pleases the Lord is whenever you believe him and trust him. As you believe him, that family member, I want you to just begin to thank him. Thank him that salvation's coming to your house. Hallelujah. Thank you that salvation, thank you that deliverance is coming. Thank you that hearts are being changed. He's moved by faith. He's not just moved by need. There's a lot of need. He's moved by faith. And I want you just to thank him that he is delivering you from every besetting sin, every opposition. He's delivering you from things that would hold you back. Lord, I thank you that you heard our prayers. I thank you that you are the deliverer, that you set us free. Lord, you are glorious. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord.